Health Unwrapped is a podcast series from wellness experts Bioglan, discussing some of the most pressing healthcare issues today. It's the conversation you need to hear. We'll be talking about trending topics, making your everyday more active, and how fine-tuning your diet and exercise regime with supplements can support performance and happiness. So welcome back. This is the final episode in the wonderful Health Unwrapped series that I've been running with Bioglan for the last year. I'm your host, Natalie Silverman. And when it comes to guests, we're definitely ending on a huge high. I'm really excited to introduce Ebony Rainford-Brent as my guest today. Ebony is a former international England cricketer and now works as a broadcaster and commentator. Welcome, Ebony. It's so nice to, to meet you. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And looking forward to it. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, I'm really keen to hear more about life, especially as a former ex-pro, how it's changed since retirement. I I can't believe that you're just sat with your feet up, although (laughs) maybe slightly restricted during lockdown. Yeah, no, um, I've always had problems with attention, so I I have to be busy doing stuff. And I found myself going from playing um, straight into the world of media, really. I was quite got quite a lucky opportunity and a break to move into it within two weeks of announcing my retirement and started working straight away for BBC on the radio, then TV world. And now I guess um, I'm a full-time broadcaster in the world of sport, which is amazing. So, you know, life is good. Um, I suppose the hardest thing as an athlete is finding purpose because you spent so much of your life being super focused and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Um, So I think I've fallen on my feet to find a career in an area where I can still put a lot of energy in, um, and, and still be connected to the sport. And and I think it's so like interesting hearing uh, like a, a former player now commentating because obviously you've been there and so you're going to be adding that little extra to what you're seeing and reporting because you know how it felt. Massively. I do think it helps. Um, I think it helps on two sides. Uh, one is I think it's important to sometimes reflect what the players feel. You know, sometimes people will nail players for performance and you know what it's like when you're there and you've gone through tough times or when you're winning, you know, all those emotions that are kind of sometimes things are not seen. And so it helps being able to bring that in. And then also playing the sport for 20 odd years, you know, it does help technically picking up, you know, someone's whipped a ball or whatever. You're not having to go through a book, I suppose. It's it's spending your whole life kind of converting what you've learned into words. So um, yeah, it does help. And I think being part of the journey helps you, I suppose, connect with the audience, what that experience is like. So tell me how active you'd say you are now compared to you at your peak. Oh my God, like miles off, miles off. I was thinking about this the other day because I'm on a kick at the moment. So I kind of, when I was playing, I, obviously you're super fit, but what I realized is um, I had a coach every single day of my life. So if you needed to be on it. I didn't even have to work out my program. I didn't have to think about anything. Someone was on it. Um, and I would say after playing, I had three or four years of just, well, just letting it go really. Um, partly cause I think it was like a rebellion of all those years of being in a, you know, structured environment. I just needed some years of just being free and having fun. But then I think there's a point where you start to, I personally have start to think about your health and you think about you know, the long-term impact of not looking after your body. And so you get on it. So um, I've gone through waves. And I think that wa- the wave is more about motivation and um, and also the, the work-life stresses. So now your your job is not to be fit. You know, you've got a job to be doing other stuff. 
Um, and so it's then how do you manage your time? Um, so I'd say where I am now at the moment, I'm in a good phase. I'm working out twice a day. Um, but I would say on average, it's more like three times a week, max four. So that's kind of my consistent three to four. Um, and it's much harder now, much, much harder. But I realize for my health how important it is. Well, we'll talk more about it being harder because I'm keen to just talk a bit more about your career and some of your fondest memories. Will you <laughs> indulge me? Yeah, well, I mean, from playing, it's been incredible in terms of the highest point, I suppose. And it sounds cliche, but you spend your whole life. I mean, I got into cricket at 10 and my dream was to play for your wow. country, which, you know, it took over a decade to get there, but you do it. And then the other is to win World Cups. And in cricket, the Ashes um, against Australia is one of the biggest. And we, in the space of um, 12 months, won two different types of World Cups, T20 and 50 overs, and the Ashes. So it's kind of like your whole dream from the age of 10, working towards it um, with a squad of players, going through the highs and lows. I had a lot of lows um, in terms of injuries and stuff. And to get there and win, it was in 2009, uh, we won the World Cup first in Australia. And it was just like, I don't know, your whole life's work, everything that your family sacrificed. It was incredible. We celebrated well. Um, and, you know, it, that moment's really changed my life because I suppose the exposure from the win is what helped kind of increase profile. So I think that the highest point is that year, becoming one of the most successful um, sporting teams to win in, and women's sports teams and national sports teams. That's pretty cool. Um, so that's a, a career highlight there. And then I think from, from in terms of broadcasting last year was pretty crazy really, because, um, you know, I signed a new contract with Sky who I do a lot of TV work with, and we had a mixture of working on, you know, the men's test series, which is the highest profile and to be the only woman, um, you know, you're breaking boundaries to be a woman of color is pretty cool. We had COVID. So the whole world was watching, uh, Black Lives Matter and we spoke about race and all those sort of things made me realize like the platform that you now have as a a broadcaster so I think those two moments have summed up my career so far is one with the team winning spending your whole life towards one goal and then the other is kind of realizing you've moved into a new world and you've got this amazing opportunity and platform and how you can just kind of embrace that and move forward with it. Because like you say, it was a crazy year last year, especially with what happened with sport, not being able for people not being able yeah. to to go. And it's such a huge part of so many people's lives. So it's like the attention was even more on you to deliver it because, you know, you were still able to to be, you know, be a part when others couldn't be. Yeah. And I think that's what what it made me realise, I suppose, is that everything's about connection for me. So being part of a team is connection. Being a broadcaster is about trying to connect with an audience. Um, and I know it sounds weird, but sometimes you just forget because you're in the doing of work. Um, but when you have those moments, and I think COVID has made us, with all the flaws of it, made us kind of reconnect in some ways. Um, and that importance of actually how much, you know, sport and seeing live sport and it being delivered well is important. So um, it was just a moment that reminded me of how cool the career is, how lucky I am to be in this position and to be able to connect with so many people. Have you got a favourite place that you travelled to? Oh, I'm a massive obsessed with travel. Um, I would say, even though I've traveled to all sorts of places, like Fiji was beautiful type thing, but I, I would say the subcontinent for me is um, is the, the biggest impact on my life. Uh, I remember going to India when I was sort of early 20s, 21, 22 for the first time. Um, and it was just different. I think that's what it was for me. It's just a different way of, you know, East, Eastern uh, methods of operating versus 
you know, the West and just culturally different, the vibrance, the food, the, the warmth. Um, and I think it just opened me up as a person actually of just, um, you know, realizing there's a different world to just what you know in your small patch and going from, I suppose, just living around South London all my life to India was quite a big experience. So I'd say that the subcontinent for me is somewhere where I feel comfortable. I love the, the, the vibrance, the energy, um, being a cricket person, they're obsessed with it. So it helps. Um, so that would be up there. Um, but I have a lot of places like Dubai. I'm always there. If, 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 if the world was traveling right now, I'd be there kicking back on a beach with a cocktail um just and I've got a lot of friends that way but I would say in terms of yeah like changing my perspective of life it definitely has to be the subcontinent India Bangladesh Sri Lanka have been to all those countries I just need to get to Pakistan amazing okay next on the list when we're allowed yeah when we're allowed it'll happen and do you miss that travel and the camaraderie that came when you were on tour yeah really good question I think I'm lucky that sport kind of um, went from doing that with my team to now I do it with my colleagues through broadcasting and an example would be last year it was the last time we properly got to go away with work I was at the Women's World Cup in Australia packed stadium is amazing but on that trip there were a lot of ex-pros that I played with or against from around the world Um, there were players that we could still kind of interact with at that stage and so I realized even though it's not quite in a changing room in the same way We've replaced it for being in a in a you know in an environment where you still have that camaraderie and have those memories, and it made the broadcast more special actually because it wasn't just sort of work colleagues; it was people that you've kind of either tried to duel with on the field or played with in a changing room from the age of ten. So I'm lucky that I still have that um, that that sort of connection with the teammates that. I've been able to bring into my new career. So I'm going to take you to that duelling on the field because I, I want to know about your <laughs> toughest opponent and what you learned from her. Yeah, I've got one which um, she actually's my idol and has become a friend, but also has maybe taught me some harsh lessons. There's a lady called Melanie Jones, who's an Australian World Cup winner. She was older than me, um, now an amazing broadcaster. Um but I remember when I was 16, so I looked up to her. You know, she was because she was maybe 10 years old, she was uh, older, she was already playing. Australia were dominating the world. And I was like, right, I want to be like this woman. She actually came to play for my county at Surrey while I sort of got to the age of 18, 19. And so I'm there thinking this is going to be my best friend. And she absolutely nailed me for work ethics, you know, in terms hmm. of bowling. Um, you know, she would tell you to up your game, sort your head out. If if you weren't, you know, fitness, we're talking about health and fitness. Um, when I wasn't on it, she would absolutely drill us. And I realized, I suppose, the mindset and intensity of people who are, you know, world class, it, you know, it was a notch up. So it was quite a tough lesson because she was tough on me. She was tough on the whole squad. But I would say in hindsight, um, not only sort of someone who uh, inspires me, she made me lift my game as a person, I think, and get a bit more focused and dedicated sometimes it can be a bit casual um and she sort of just uh yeah focused the way I operate so she's now a friend um and I can laugh about some of those memories but um I learned so much from her she sounds brilliantly terrifying (laughs) yeah yeah honestly (laughs) it's the sort of person that if you you know if you said you were going to do 10 press-ups with her and you did nine you know expect expect her to nail you hard but (laughs) Equally, if you put in the effort, she'll be the first person to tap you on the back. Now, I really want to talk about the work you're doing with the next generation. Um, tell me more about it, because it must be so amazing when you meet someone that you've inspired to, to start playing. You, you mentioned Melanie just then and the effect she had on you. 
Yeah, I've, I've um, recently sort of, we got a, a charity called the ACE Program Charity. So fortunate, one of my, um, you know, I guess uh, tags or things that I've achieved is to be the first black woman to play for England, um, which I, when I played, it didn't really resonate with me. But as you get older and you look back and you think, okay, well, there's not a huge amount of black players in the game, let alone black females. Um, so I, I worked with the county Surrey and we set up a charity which is looking for and supporting talent from the black British community. And we've just, we're in London, we've just launched in Birmingham and we're looking to be national. And we got over half a million funding from Sport England. Brilliant. And, you know, it's incredible that, you know, when you meet the young kids and you speak to their families about um, just opening up opportunities and opening up the pathways and just trying to bring more in, it, it gives me a sense of, uh, I would say purpose as a person playing if you, if you if we're brutally honest even though people look up to athletes I would still say sometimes it feels a little bit selfish because it's your dream your goal you know you get the rewards um, but so doing doing the ACE program it's um, it's something that can benefit thousands of kids and uh, to be part of setting that up with some really amazing people is is possibly at the moment at this age one of the the best things I've ever done so I feel really honoured to be in the position to be able to help open the door for the next generation. Exciting times it's going national as well. Yeah really exciting and I think it's it's just amazing that we got the support you know we've had a lot of media coverage uh, we've had like we say investment and um, I suppose that's that's the sign of the times as well when people want to see sports reflect society so um, yeah, we, you know, it's just, it's just amazing that that investment has come in, the interest has come in and also the kids and their families want to get on it and, and, um, really push for, for being the best they can. So, you know, I, I God, it's, it's crazy because I get emotional, try not Aww. to get too emotional, but when I talk about it and feel it, it is, it's an honor to be able to, to be part of something. And like it's this. special. It's, it's kind of, you know, groundbreaking, isn't it? What's happening? Yeah. I mean, you look at our sport in cricket and it's quite common across a lot of more of the sort of elitist sports that you just don't see a, a huge amount of diversity. Um, and I think a lot of that is just to do with systems, you know, sometimes where the, the groups are, the economic um, factors get in the way, the barriers, the cost, but I know there's talent everywhere. And, um, you know, I grew up in a lower socioeconomic background myself and knew how hard it was for my mum who worked nights and uh, would come straight from her night job to take me to training, stay all day and go straight back to work at night. Um, you know, I, you know, I know what that's like. And so I know that talent also exists in those places. So to be able to to be able to go in there and, and provide opportunity to people who who deserve it is amazing. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how it how it evolves because I think it's a brilliant, brilliant charity. Now, we mentioned this before about how active you were and the challenges. So just talk to me about some of the challenges of maintaining an active lifestyle as the body, dare I say, ages. Yeah, the body is, it ages for sure. And I also damaged my body a lot through playing. So that's one thing you come out of, you know, a high performance environment, but you had a physio propping you up and a masseuse and a you know, that whole network, whereas then you're, you're left to deal with your, your leftover injuries and a new world of work. So I say the biggest challenge is time, you know, broadcasting, you know, people might not realize, but if you've got a, a test match, so it's five days, um, we're on air, say 10 o'clock, you have to be in for call time to get hair, makeup, all the stats ready from eight. And you don't finish sometimes till eight, nine at night. So then you're thinking, right, five days gone, where am I going to work out? 
And, you know, it's hard when you're in the middle of sort of a broadcasting schedule where you're traveling all over the place, all over the gaff, and you're working intense hours and you have to research. So um, I, I find it a mental battle to fit in exercise. What I've learned is there's one, I've learned what type of exercise my body needs and when I'm best to do it. So for example, weights, like today, I I don't like weights. I never liked weights, but I know, especially for females and keeping our bones strong and stuff like that, I've got to get it in. I have to get it done first thing. I have to wake up, have a cup of tea and just knock it out. Um, yoga is different, which is more about, you know, sometimes when my body needs some, you know, loosening up, if it's my back or my left hip, which has got a lot of problems. Um, you know, I can get that in sort of at the end of a day and that actually unwinds me. And then I find I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with Peloton, uh, which I'm pretty fortunate that I've been able to get one of those. And that kind of keeps my competitive spirits up because I can do it with friends through the fact that you can use the app. So um, what I've learned is one, what my body needs, which is sometimes I've got to put in the hard work. Sometimes you need the recovery. And then sometimes you need that motivation that that's more of a social thing. So yeah, it's getting it in and learning you know, what time of day is best to get it all in. Find your stride and anything is possible. Recover faster, stronger and healthier with Bioglan Active Curcumin. Curcumin is the effective compound within the turmeric plant and has been used for hundreds of years to reduce body inflammation, keeping you motivated and moving. Bioglan Active Curcumin tablets and the orange-flavoured effervescent are high strength with biopurine to enhance absorption. Perfect for maintaining an active, high-energy lifestyle. Buy now from Holland and Barrett, Boots or Amazon. Do you get frustrated that you can't necessarily do what you used to be able to do? Oh my God, yeah. You know, it's mad. Like today, for example, I I used to lift, and not heavy, but maybe 70 kg on squats. I'm nowhere near that now. I'm doing 25 and sometimes I'll think, how am I not there? But then, you know, equally at that stage, you're at the top of top of my game. And, you know, I know people are lifting a lot more. Um, and I would say that's the hardest thing is like putting your ego aside or my personal ego to realize I'm not that athlete anymore. And actually, this is more just about looking after myself and self-care rather than having to beat or, or take someone out. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I think I would say that's actually one of the harder bits mentally of realizing, like, I I can't sustain that and my body is changing and, um, developing, but equally, uh, I would say my body's in a better place overall now than it was as an athlete because it's more rounded, it's more balanced. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a mental shift I think I've had to make into just realizing it's about looking after myself rather than trying to duel and war and take someone down. And reminding yourself, like you said, you had a team around you before who were doing all the other bits that, you know, it's down to you now to eat the right thing and do the bit of stretching and get the massage and all those things that were just on tap, literally. So it's yeah, kind of being kind it, to yourself, isn't it? You know, so much that's laid out yeah. for the athlete. So you're right. Um, I would say that modern technology and apps do help. Um, you know, I pretty much try and do as much of that automated stuff as possible. And diet as well. You know, I use um, some good apps and some good recipes as well. So staying on top of it all, it's just time, right? And we're all sometimes time poor in this modern world. So um, it's just finding a way to fit it all in. Can you just talk a bit about the benefits of low impact versus high impact? You talked about kind of mixing up your weights and and your yoga there. Yeah, definitely. It was interesting because when I first got back into fitness on my own, you know, the, the first kind of thing you want to do is just you know, whether it's shred and look great and have that beach body or whatever it is. And then 
I went in hard and then you can do it for only so long and then your body, you know, it, it, you, you see that you're not improving or if it's your body fat you're trying to get down, it's not going down and you realize your body's just not responding. You're, you're ultimately just pummeling it without offering that, um, that balance. And so, you know, it, it's one of those where it's about kind of, for me, it's about sustainability. I want to be able to in 50 years time still be looking after my body and to do that, you know, I have to to balance it. So even on, you know, my spin bike, I'll do low impact sessions. And I, the difference I was saying now to when I played is when I played, like it was very structured. Now I go based on feel. So, you know, if I wake up and even if I said I was going to do a heavy weight session, um, if my body's not feeling that and it's telling me I need to stretch and I need to do some yoga and I need to unwind, I just listen. So it's more about, I suppose, being in tune with what your body needs um as well so yeah recovery is so important and you know it has to be factored in otherwise you know sustainability of what you're trying to achieve it it just doesn't work and do you notice more stress on your joints connective tissue and and bones and all that now yeah massively um and you know I had uh, two prolapse discs my you know my back and my left hip is always um struggling I have to take magnesium just to which helps actually a lot as well Um, so you do, you do, you do notice, but I find once I'm in the flow, so at the moment, like I'm in a good phase, your body starts to adapt and adjust, but it's when you fall off, um, I find is that sort of period where your body's not in a good condition and you're trying to do too much. That's the hard stage. So for me, it's about maintenance now when I stay on top of it, I'm, you know, it's not as bad, but you're right. Body, you know, when, when unfortunately age is a thing that we have to, to consider. And so just have to adapt around it. Do you feel you you experience more body inflammation or more pain as you've got older? I think because of my career, it's less pain now um, in the sense that I played through a lot of pain. So maybe I think for the for someone who hasn't been through that elite athlete journey, you know, it might have just consistently changed over time. Where, where I actually feel... The threshold is probably high. Yeah, I would say in some ways I most probably feel now um, it, less than I did in terms of playing days where it was painful. Um, but what I realize I have to be on top of my fitness more. I can't take things for granted because if you do, that's when I think the the inflammation and the pain and the stress all kicks in. So it's more about maintenance um, because as soon as I take my foot off the gas now, the body doesn't bounce back as quick as it used to. Yeah. And that whole piece about it being harder to recover, do you find that if you are in a position where you can really put in the time that you want and you were saying you'd try to do two workouts a day, if you've gone hard, um, what's that recovery like? Is it harder? Mm. Uh, recovery, yeah. You just sometimes, you know, say if I uh, if I go hard on weights and then I'll do like a heavy spin session in the evening, um, you know, I might have a plan to do something the next day and my body might just say, no, it's not happening. And you have to kind of a couple of yogas and come back in a few days. So, you know, I think that is the aging process to an extent. It's also, you know, if I'm not as consistent, you see the the impact. So, you know, there's so much about just balancing, looking after eating right, working out right, and um, appreciating that the body, you know, the body is going to do its own thing and you just kind of have to work with it. How would you say that diet and supplements has changed since, say, the start of your your pro career? Yeah, I used to be, um, I suppose as a pro career, it was an interesting one because there would have been a lot of things I would like to take a lot more then because of... Um, but because of obviously you know, issues around drug testing and stuff like that, you had to kind of limit to to quite a small pool. And I didn't take a huge amount, a few protein shakes. Um, 
so, but there would have been more I would have most probably done. I think now as I've got um, out of playing, it's actually grateful that I can take a few supplements, which I do. Um, and I just do notice a difference that, you know, when I'm consistently taking my supplements, my body feels, um, the recovery is better. You know, magnesium is massively important for me. Um, so I would just say that, you know, in some ways I wish if I could have had that extra opportunity as an athlete, because you, you are a little bit limited because of the, you know, the, the, the testing, um, sort of setup. So yeah, it's great to be able to realize that, you know, you can assist your body in more ways than you realize both through diets and through supplements as well. We've talked quite a bit about what you use to maintain everything. Do you think you rely more now on routine and diet and supplements? Massively. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got, I mean, I'm a bit of an obsessive person with one of these to-do lists that like has a time's blocked in and you know come up and it flags up right it's time to do your diet right it's time to do this and it's time to do that um and I need routine and I need lists and I need to know when to take um you know everything it has to be structured for me just because one life is so busy and two I realize that uh, my brain forgets a lot so um you know if you, you might think you're doing stuff and then when you look down you haven't actually done it so um routine is most probably the most important thing I would say I think your routines and your habits set you up for any sort of success or opportunities that you get. So, you know, having good habits makes such a difference down the line. Tell us some more specifics and also about exercise regimes that you've got that you think can help now and later in life. I want to hear a bit more about that to-do list. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so my day, I'm a bit obsessive, um, but I, I start with waking up, with, I mean, I'm going I'm to sound a little bit OCD here, but I have music alarms that change throughout my morning, which change what I do. So my Sonos system sets off with a song that just gets me to wake up within five minutes and then it changes to meditation music. And during that first 25 minutes, I have a cup of tea, I sit down and do my daily diary and some set questions, which just kind of set me up for why I'm doing what I'm doing, what I'm doing, etc. Then usually I don't want to work out. So the music has to change to, at the moment, it's um, hypnotized by Biggie, Notorious Big, which once it starts pumping, like for two minutes, I don't want to work out. And then you hear the music, your body starts going, you're like, okay, I'm going to get it done. So I use music, if you're into the psychology, as an anchor for triggering. Um, and then as soon as I finish that, then I sit down and go through my priority list and work out what I've got to bin and what I've got to get done. And I would say that morning, sort of first two hours, sets up everything um if I can get sort of that first hour to hour hour and a half to two hours it depends on how much time I've got available like right most of my week and day just manifest and you know you you pre-plan out roughly what sort of exercise you'll do roughly what you need to eat roughly and you know I just find having a good hour of um, time to just work it all out makes it the rest flow whereas as soon as I don't do that I feel stressed you miss an exercise session and you just feel like the world is all on top of you. So yeah, it's nice to be able to use all these tools to kind of just get me in flow. So I might might sound a bit OTT. I don't know how most people start their day, but mine is definitely got a lot of routine and structure, but it makes a massive difference. Well, it's amazing hearing what you've achieved and what that mindset looks like, because I'm sure that this kind of mindset has come from what you've done through your career, because you've just got to be strict and, and regulated in it, haven't you? Yeah, you do. And you know what I I would say the biggest thing I realized when I stopped playing is um, discipline is hard, right? So um, 
I think as soon as I like take my my foot off the pedal, I can easily Netflix binge. I can easily, you know, go through a good couple of bottles of wine. Nothing wrong with that. You got to do it sometimes. Um, you just lose focus. But then what I will find is, you know, time passes and you think, what have I done or how far have I got on my goals? And I haven't. Um, and that's whether it's health goals, whether it's work goals. So by just having that routine, I just find that things get done. And then you look and you're like, wow, I got that done that I really wanted to achieve. And it just keeps you moving. So I think it is a bit of a obsessive mindset, but you know, equally I see, I learn from other people actually. And some of the people that I know who've achieved things that I'd love to do have really good routines and habits and look after their health and um, all of that together. So yeah, it massively helps me. And without it, I'm most probably like 30% the level of productivity. It's really impressive and inspiring to hear it. And for people listening that are like, oh my goodness, if I could do half of that, how can little changes, be it diet and mm. supplements, help keep bodies moving? Because ultimately that's what we want to try and hit home on, that that is, it's so important. It is. I would say that the the one thing I would say with everything, you know, especially when it can seem overwhelming is um, small habits lead to so much, right? So two small habits that you could do is make everything easy for yourself. So you know, put your exercise stuff or your vitamins out. That's actually two things I have is like, if I know I need to work out, just put it in front of myself. And the chances, there's some really good books about like visual cues. Um, so I always forget to take my vitamins. If I put it right next to where my tea is, then I just see it and you just get it done. So I would say sometimes it's not about the big heave ho effort. It's about making it as accessible and easy to do what you've got to do. Um, you know, if if your exercise bike is right in the middle of the part, part where you walk past, you're more likely to get on it than if it's tucked away in the back or whatever it is. If your vitamins are right, you know, in front and center in your kitchen, you're going to take them. And, and I've had to do that. And there's a really good book on atomic habits. I'd advise a lot of people to read it just about making the process of doing everything as enjoyable and as easy as possible rather than having to fight to get it done. Brilliant. I love it. I'm going to get that book. Thank you so much, Ebony, for joining me today. It's been so fascinating and I'm sure people have got loads of takeaways from this. Thank you. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. I just want to say a huge thanks to Ebony for joining me today. It's been so interesting and I'm so going to be buying that book. It was mentioned a couple of times during this series of Health Unwrapped. So you can go back to the start and uh, find out who else talked about how it's helped them. I'd also like to say a big thank you to all of our fabulous guests who've taken part in this series over the weeks and months. We started back in April and have talked about everything from gut health to mental fortitude. Thanks as well to Bioglan for bringing us all together. And finally, thank you so much for joining us over the last year or so on Health Unwrapped. We've spoken to so many amazing people and I don't know about you, but I've learned a lot and I really hope that this time spent in your ear holes has been useful. So until next time, take care and look after yourselves. Don't forget to hit subscribe now on your podcast platform of choice to stay up to date on Biogland's Health Unwrapped series. And you can go back and listen to series one and two to find out more about Biogland supplements. Follow us on Instagram at Biogland Supplements, on Facebook at Biogland UK, or visit biogland.co.uk. And all our products are available to buy on Amazon now. <laughs>